Chapter 29, Part 2 of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof, translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia. On Over Gastric Land, Forest Day. On the mountain's broad back, where Gorgo left Thumbietot, there had been a forest fire ten years before. Since that time the charred trees had been felled and removed, and the great fire-swept area had begun to deck itself with green along the edges where it skirted the healthy forest. However, the larger part of the top was still barren and appallingly desolate. Charred stumps, standing sentinel-like between the rock ledges, bore witness that once there had been a fine forest here, but no fresh roots sprang from the ground. One day, in the early summer, all the children in the parish had assembled in front of the schoolhouse near the fire-swept mountain. Each child carried either a spade or a hoe on its shoulder, and a basket of food in its hand. As soon as all were assembled, they marched in a long procession toward the forest. The banner came first, with the teachers on either side of it, then followed a couple of foresters and a wagon-load of pine shrubs and spruce seeds, then the children. The procession did not pause in any of the birch groves near the settlements, but marched on deep into the forest. As it moved along, the foxes stuck their heads out of the lairs in astonishment and wondered what kind of backwoods people these were. As they marched past old coal pits where charcoal kilns were fired every autumn, the crossbeaks twisted their hooked bills and asked one another what kind of coalers these might be who were now thronging the forest. Finally the procession reached the big burnt mountain plain. The rocks had been stripped of the fine twin-flower creepers that once covered them. They had been robbed of the pretty silver moss and the attractive reindeer moss. Around the dark water gathered in clefts and hollows there was now no wood sorrel. The little patches of soil in crevices and between stones were without ferns, without star-flowers, without all the green and red and light and soft and soothing things which usually clothe the forest ground. It was as if a bright light flashed upon the mountain when all the parish children covered it. Here again was something sweet and delicate, something fresh and rosy, something young and growing. Perhaps these children would bring to the poor abandoned forest a little new life. When the children had rested and eaten their luncheon, they seized hoes and spades and began to work. The foresters showed them what to do. They set out shrub after shrub on every clear spot of earth they could find. As they worked, they talked quite knowingly among themselves of how the little shrubs they were planting would bind the soil so that it could not get away, and of how new soil would form under the trees. By and by seeds would drop, 
and in a few years they would be picking both strawberries and raspberries where now there were only bare rocks. The little shrubs which they were planting would gradually become tall trees. Perhaps big houses and great splendid ships would be built from them. If the children had not come here and planted while there was still a little soil in the clefts, all the earth would have been carried away by wind and water, and the mountain could never more have been clothed in green. It was well that we came, said the children. We were just in the nick of time. They felt very important. While they were working on the mountain, their parents were at home. By and by they began to wonder how the children were getting along. Of course it was only a joke about their planting a forest, but it might be amusing to see what they were trying to do. So presently both fathers and mothers were on their way to the forest. When they came to the outlying stock farms, they met some of their neighbors. Are you going to the fire-swept mountain? they asked. That's where we're bound for. To have a look at the children? Yes, to see what they're up to. It's only play, of course. It isn't likely that there will be many forest trees planted by the youngsters. We have brought the coffee-pot along, so that we can have something warm to drink, since we must stay there all day with only lunch-basket provisions. So the parents of the children went on up the mountain. At first they thought only of how pretty it looked to see all the rosy-cheeked little children scattered over the gray hills. Later they observed how the children were working, how some were setting out shrubs, while others were digging furrows and sowing seeds, others again were pulling up heather to prevent its choking the young trees. They saw that the children took the work seriously, and were so intent upon what they were doing that they scarcely had time to glance up. The fathers and mothers stood for a moment and looked on, then they too began to pull up heather, just for the fun of it. The children were the instructors, for they were already trained, and had to show their elders what to do. Thus it happened that all the grown-ups who had come to watch the children took part in the work. Then, of course, it became greater fun than before. By and by the children had even more help. Other implements were needed, so a couple of long-legged boys were sent down to the village for spades and hoes. As they ran past the cabins, the stay-at-homes came out and asked, What's wrong? Has there been an accident? No, indeed, but the whole parish is up on the fire-swept mountain planting a forest. If the whole parish is there, we can't stay at home. So party after party of peasants went crowding to the top of the burnt mountain. They stood a moment and looked on. The temptation to join the workers was irresistible. It's a pleasure to sow one's own acres in the spring, and to think of the grain that will spring up from the earth, but this work is even more alluring, they thought. Not only slender blades would come from that sowing, but mighty trees with tall trunks and sturdy branches. It meant giving birth not merely to a summer's grain, but to many years' growths. It meant the awakening hum of insects, the song of the thrush, 
the play of grouse and all kinds of life on the desolate mountain moreover it was like raising a memorial for coming generations they could have left a bare treeless height as a heritage instead they were to leave a glorious forest coming generations would know their forefathers had been a good and wise folk and they would remember them with reverence and gratitude end of chapter 29 part 2 recording by gerald mo tucker georgia